Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, you guys can check us out at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at BSL Jordan Co. Um, he's at, at Gabe Fergie. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, we've been we're, we're getting amped up and excited for the upcoming season, but um, it still seems so far away without kind of having the early addiction of training camp and all those reports that we're usually getting this time of year um, coming out of the castle or before that Westminster. So, um, you know, we're excited because we got some big news this week in the NFL, huh, Gabe? Yeah, today the big news landed about uh, Patrick Mahomes' massive new contract that is smashing records left and right. Um, so I think we want to talk a little bit about it. Um, and there's so many different angles that we can talk about, you know, just the contract itself, how it impacts the position, how it impacts the Ravens. Um, I think we can kind of dissect it from a few different angles here. Yeah, so, I, I mean, what's your, what's your first take flush on this thing? <laughs> so, I mean, I was just kind of flabbergasted by the sheer numbers that came out um, because I was expecting, you know, something that was going to be probably close to 40 million a year. Um, I wasn't expecting a 10 year extension. That to me was like the most surprising part of it because that kind of contract you don't see anymore. Um, I think, you know, a couple of decades ago, they were more common, but it's not something that we see in today's NFL. So that was, that was very surprising to me. Um, I think the nature of the contract too, when you kind of dig into it a little bit, it, it's structured um, in a very kind of unique way. Um, and I think it works well for both the team and the player. And in a lot of ways, um, the player is kind of betting on himself to, to to be very productive, you know, each and every year going forward. And the team is kind of um, taking a little bit of risk because they have to make sure that the, you know, they're investing a lot of money into this one player, but on the other hand, they do have the ability to essentially get out of the contract at, at some point that's reasonable. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are just absolutely staggering. I mean, we're talking about paying a guy $500 million to throw a football around the field. So, you know, once, you, once you wrap your head around those numbers, I think that's a start. I, I, I am a little surprised that they were willing to go year to year on some of these guarantees. I think that was the thing that surprised me. Um, and sure, it's guaranteed $140 million up front um, that's going to cover Mahomes for injury. And so, you know, obviously you and your family and their family's family and their family's family's family are going to be just fine if you're guaranteed $140 million. Um, but let's say in three years he has kind of a career ending know some kind of injury or another then then you know that's kind of the end of the line for him um and, and there's there's unlikely going to be another bar that's going to be set in that kind of way um so they are definitely giving up a lot in that regard but at the same time they you know maybe this is a the new age of kind of what's going to happen with nfl quarterbacks you know we saw the russell wilson kind of he he kind of there were conversations where he was trying to get a tag to kind of what the cap was going to be going up and get it a percentage and, you know, went in a different direction. But at the same time, um, his deal was only what a four year extension. 
Um, granted, you know, that four year extension is going to cover him until he's 35. Um, but you know, so for Mahomes, this, this contract goes one year behind, beyond that for him. But Wilson's deal was like $90 million. <laughs> so, you know, just in terms of total earnings, it's, it's just, it's, it's flabbergasting. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson's contract was a little bit more of the traditional kind of, you know, I think big signing bonus kind of slowly increasing numbers as the contract goes forward. It's kind of your traditional contract structure, especially with these, you know, big high ticket quarterback contracts. Um, and, and like you mentioned, there was the talk that maybe Wilson would try and do this thing where he, where he bases the contract value off of a percentage of the salary cap. And if there's also some rumor that Holmes would also have a contract that looked like that, that didn't happen. Um, but what did happen was, as you mentioned, there's kind of these rolling guarantees um, that he really only has probably what three to four years fully guaranteed on the deal, which which is still a lot. And obviously, it's and he's getting a huge amount of money. You said 140 million guaranteed for injury. I think he's guaranteed like 100 million over the first three years. So that's a ton of money that he's getting up front. Um, but then like there's it's really not as um, damaging cap wise as I thought it was going to be um, over the first you know six or seven years. Basically, I did the math, and over the first seven years of the contract, it's an average of a $33 million per year cap hit. Um, but that's not including potential incentives, so it could get up to around you know, 35, 36 if he gets these, these escalators. Um, but that's still a pretty reasonable deal for the player that I think most people consider the best quarterback and the best player in the NFL. So there's a lot of things that could go very well for both the player and the team in these next five or six years. I think he's at, at a reasonable rate. And if he, his play does start to fall off, the guarantees are basically just uh, rolling. So every single year, the, the Chiefs will have the option to say two years down the road, we can release him. Um, and if that happens, then he's only going to see you know, maybe a couple hundred million of this you know, record-setting $450 million contract. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think Mahomes is probably one of the most impressive talents we've seen at quarterback in, in a very long time. So, um, but the potential is there, and that's that's the nature of the NFL contract. The, the, the actual guaranteed money is is fleeting. Yeah, I know for sure. You know, I, I I was just looking at Russell Wilson's kind of like total career earnings and and what he's earned kind of through guarantees up to today in his contract. Like if he never played another game. Have earned two hundred and thirty-one million dollars, and and Mahomes is gonna Mahomes is gonna beat that by you know in within two seasons because he's essentially gonna be guaranteed those years. And you know if you're you're the Chiefs, there's no way two years from now that you're you're gonna be moving on from Patrick Mahomes unless it's an injury related issue. Um, and so it's just you know obviously Mahomes made a little bit more as a as a first round draft pick in the earlier years of his career. Um, but not that much more. Um, and Wilson was at the advantage that he didn't have that first year option kind of holding him back when he went into his second contract as well. Um, and so he was able to kind of cash in and make up for a little bit of that nonetheless too. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. Um, I mean, obviously they had slightly different career trajectories. Um, Holmes was kind of a, a, a brighter star right out the gate. I think than Wilson was, Wilson was a good player. He was obviously a third round pick. So a first round pick, like you mentioned, Wilson came in and started right away as a rookie and, and right away, you know, we saw this is going to be a very good player. And then he kind of had the traditional, you know, contract after his first three seasons. Um, 
Mahomes got paid a year earlier than he had to. He got paid basically as early as he could. Um, and, and let's bring this back to the Ravens for a second, because Lamar Jackson has kind of had a, a similar career arc to Patrick Mahomes in terms of um, what they've done in the NFL in the first couple of years of their careers, because they both were NFL MVPs in their second season. They had remarkable second seasons. Lamar did play a little bit as a rookie. Mahomes did not really play anything meaningful. So let's say that Lamar Jackson, okay, first of all, let's say we have an NFL season in 2020. That's what we're all hoping for. Let's say that Lamar Jackson has another MVP caliber season. Um, maybe the Ravens win a Super Bowl. That would be amazing. Maybe they make to the championship game. Either way, the Ravens have a great year because of Lamar Jackson having a great year. Do you think that the Ravens would look to extend Lamar Jackson in a similar way that the Chiefs extended Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, you think about it, obviously, if Lamar was going to play like he did last year for the rest of his career, then, you know, that's going to be just fine. But if you, you look at the Ravens roster last year and you look at where they were spending their money, I, I, I'd argue that there weren't a whole lot of spots or holes where they were completely overpaying. I mean, there were a couple spots where you could pick and choose, you know, the Brandon Williams of the world, Tony Jefferson, um, a couple spots where they were probably a little deep on the cap. And and so, yeah, maybe you can clean up, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 to $20 million off the cap, you know, 10, 15% could be saved if everything goes right, but you're always going to have those bad free agent extensions. You're always going to have money that's from retirees or things that you didn't want to have happen a certain way. And so you're talking about Mahomes going into next year, you know, his, his con or his cap hit heading into 2021 is already $25 million. So if the cap, let's, I, I'm going to assume the cap doesn't go up next year. Um, you know, I, I, there's a chance it could even go up, go down, but let's say the cap doesn't go up next year. Mahomes is already 12 and a half percent of your cap overall. Just, just as a starting point, right? And if you look at where that puts the Chiefs, you know, in, heading into 2021, they've got 47 players under contract and they only have $35 million worth of cap space. Um, when they've got some, you know, decent sized cap number names and guys like Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew, Eric Fisher, Travis Kelsey. Um, but beyond that, there's not a whole lot of savings for them to make. And if you take Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew, Eric Fisher, and Travis Kelsey, or, you know, any two of those players off that team, I don't know that last year you have a Super Bowl winning team for the Chiefs. Um, and that's with, with Mahomes at pennies on the dollar, so to speak, in terms of what the cap hit's going to look like. Um, yeah, I, so it's it's always going to be – that conversation is always going to exist. You know, the the how much is the is a franchise quarterback worth? Because the, the, the way I think we've found to win the NFL is the rookie – quarterback contract right like that that seems to be the key to getting to the super bowl on this kind of budget quarterback while you build a, a super competitive roster around him where you when you have the cap flexibility to do so very rarely has a quarterback been paid um you know top of the market money and still been able to bring his his team to the super bowl or like consistently into the playoffs um on a regular basis it's just it's very hard to build a team that way and obviously we've seen some exceptions, I think, to the rule, obviously the Patriots. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady never really took the high top of the market contract. He was kind of always at the bottom end of like what you would consider the, the elite quarterback money. Um, you know, and then we've had some teams that have been up there for a few years, maybe, but not like consistently over a long period of time being able to compete. 
I think that once the the cap starts to go up, I think we will see that this contract isn't as hard hard to swallow, I guess, as we might think it is now. Because you know, all things COVID aside, the cap is projected to go up quite at a high rate over the next decade because there's going to be new TV revenue and that's going to just push these things, you know, up 25%, potentially 50% over the next like five to 10 years. Um, if that happens and we have a $300 million cap in the next, in, in five years from now, then this, this contract no longer looks like it's, it's as bad as it could potentially look when you have, you know, a $45 million cap hit. Um, so I think there's a lot of things to consider especially when you have a long-term deal like this. But I think for a team like the Ravens, a team like the Chiefs, you have this unique talent that you want to bet on that talent more so and bet on your ability as an organization to put players around it, whether that be through the draft, whether that be through signing, you know, smartly kind of bargain-free agents. Um, you know, the, the Ravens did that for a long time with Joe Flacco's big contract, and they were competitive for a long time. Um, even with a quarterback who was fairly mediocre, I would say, compared to the talent of uh, Patrick Mahomes. So I think you can compete um, with the quarterback contract. You just have to be smart about how you you, you flip players around him. And, and it's, it's definitely makes it more challenging. There's no doubt about that. But I think it's it's harder to look for that quarterback. You have to get lucky sometimes in the draft. And if you don't, then you, you're just going to be stuck in this purgatory. And I think you really want to kind of err on the side of the quarterback. You know, obviously you want to pay your talented players and you have to start there. Um, and, and if you don't pay them, someone's going to pay them that amount of money. Um, you know, I guess to me, the question is, I, I mean, the Chiefs didn't save any money on this deal. And if somebody signed Mahomes to this deal kind of two years down the road when he was a free agent, I think people would be would be less favorable about how they interpret the deal um, as a th this is he's he's completely resetting the market well ahead of this. You know, like we can use Carson Wentz and his massive deal that he got as an example of that in his 28 year old season, his cap hit will be eighteen point five million dollars. Right. And he was a guy that led his team. Obviously, he did a win, but he got his team to the Super Bowl. They did everything they, they could to build around it. His cap numbers, even at the minuscule numbers they're at now, are already ripping the Eagles team apart. They've, they've had to cut a lot of guys and had to do a lot of cap space work. He doesn't have a season over $34 million in cap hit um, to 2024. By, by 2024, Mahomes will already have two seasons over 39, 40 million, essentially, um, in terms of what their cap hit is. Two more seasons after that of 42 million. And then if you keep going on that pace, there are going to be three seasons of the next five that are going to be over 50 million. And, and one of them is close to 60 million. Um, and so, you know, I agree, right? Like in a perfect world, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, don't settle for your next girlfriend, right? Like you got to find the girl that's really cute you know, has all the attributes that they want, that is smart, is well-spoken, has a great family and can do all those things. And yeah, of course, that's what you want. And if you do it perfectly and you keep searching, you'll find all those things. But in reality, you're going to make bad free agency signings. You're going to miss on draft picks. You're not going to get, I mean, Kansas City's got a really good baseline of talent right now. And I mean, if Chris Jones holds out at this point moving forward, um, you know, I just mentioned the the Chiefs cap space heading into next season. If the cap stays the same, is only at thirty five million dollars. 
with only 47 players on the team. So realistically, it's already down to 28 million. If they sign Chris, Chris Jones to any kind of deal, it's going to drop it to closer to 15 or less million. Um, you're, you're almost not one injury to any major player on your team at that point takes you down for the year. Um, and so, you know, I hear you about Joe Flacco and the era that the, that the Ravens had with him, but I'd also argue that the Ravens had kind of a somewhat of a perfect season that year in the sense that the right players came back at the right times. They were mostly loaded up for the playoffs. They had the right guy calling the plays at that, in that moment. And Joe just played his fucking butt off. Um, you know, when you have those kind of things happening, you can be successful. But if you go the other direction and let's say Anquan Bolden got hurt that year, the Raven, there's no way the Ravens win the Super Bowl that year. Um, and, you know, it's I, I just I agree with you. If you can be smart across the board and you can get lucky on a regular basis, Mahomes has a shot to win multiple Super Bowls. But if you don't have that luck and a couple of your young guys that you need to perform behind him don't pan out. Um, you know, I, I see it as a, a hard thing that can happen. You know, Brady was taking 10, $15 million less than he could during his prime. And we're talking about that being a much bigger percentage of cap allocation at that time. Um, without those, I, I doubt the Patriots would have been able to do things like they were with Randy Moss. Those are acquisitions I doubt they could have made. Um, and they wouldn't have been as good without them. So, you know, it's impossible to say right now, but I got to squint really hard to see your vision of, of kind of being competitive every single year under that contract and not getting hamstrung in, in, you know, training camp when two guys go down with a major injury. Well, I think the one thing that you can't have happen is your quarterback go down with a major injury, because if, if that happens, then you're sunk because you have everything invested in this player who you think is transcendent. Um, and, and the instance of, of Patrick Mahomes, I think you can argue that. I think he's that much of a difference maker. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned guys like Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback. Um, you know, he's, he's had some injury issues. I think that's part of the reason why he wasn't given quite the kind of money that, that Mahomes was given. Um, so that's not kind of – I think it's kind of apples and oranges. Um, but I also think that guys like Mahomes and guys like Lamar Jackson who – really elevate the game of everyone around them um, in, a, in a way that a lot of quarterbacks aren't capable of doing. Um, and I think there's a, there's very few quarterbacks who really do that. I think, you know, like Aaron Rodgers in his prime was a guy who could do that. Um, I, I don't even think someone like Drew Brees was really someone who elevated the players around him. He's kind of had to be in, in the system um, with, with good players. Uh, and maybe that's not fair to, to Drew Brees. He, he is a very good quarterback, but like, I think that like you watch Lamar Jackson and you watch the impact that he has on both the, the run game and the passing game. You see players just running wide open downfield because teams have to respect what Jackson can do with his legs. And you see Jackson's ability to hit those players. Um, and, and that's something that you have. And, 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 and Mahomes is similar in, in some ways and different in others, you know, he has more like unique arm talent than, than Jackson has. And, and he's just able to throw players open in, in ways that other quarterbacks aren't capable of doing. And he's able to make these crazy downfield throws. He's able to, you know, escape pressure. And, and, and that's how he won like the Super Bowl. He, he was able to escape pressure and, and like make a 60 yard bomb down the field, falling backwards. Like these are the kind of plays that only a handful of, of players can do. And when you have that player, like, on your team, the ability to have them locked up for the, the rest of their career, essentially. How can you really not do that? I, I guess that that's my perspective. 
I mean, I think the answer to your question is you have to do it. So so I have I'm skeptical that you can build a long term NFL dynasty team around a quarterback that you're giving huge chunks of the salary cap to like this and be successful if you're paying him market value of what that deal is. So if the Chiefs got ahead of the curve and they're going to save a little bit of money on that latter part of his contract. So the 60 million a year looks crazy today, but maybe that's not crazy in nine years. Um, that might be a little bit of a different conversation. Um, but you just struggle to see any of these other teams successfully, successfully kind of do that. Um, and you know, you're not going to have, you know, not on the roster for 2021 with the chiefs are already Chris Jones. It's already, um, Sammy Watkins. Like they've already have guys that were major contributors that already aren't on the roster in 2021. I mean, this deal eliminates, in my opinion, the Kansas city chiefs ability to get Chris Jones deal done. Um, I, I just don't see how they can sign him to the kind of deal longer term that he's going to want. And if they do, then I really don't think that they're going to be able to be competitive, especially if Jones doesn't turn into the player that he's, he, you know, if he ages faster than you might assume he would. Um, and so you throw all those kind of things out there in, in, in a vacuum, it all sounds well and good, but when it's executed, is that the case? Um, and, you know, Mahomes is throwing some of these bombs and we saw it in the Ravens game, uh, you know, he just throws it up to Tyreek Hill sometimes and Tyreek Hill just runs out and gets it. Um, and, and I question whether there, there are guys in this league, you know, they're, they're a little lucky that Tyreek Hill um, isn't going to command a big cap number, carries a lot of risk, both from health and a personal perspective that are going to hold him, his cap number back. And you need guys like that on your team to be successful like this. Um, so, you know, again, I agree with you in the sense that if you're the Ravens and this is the only way to get Lamar done, you do it. Um, and I won't complain when they do it because that's what you've got to do. <laughs> um, I'm just curious to see if they can sustain it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's hard to say you're going to be the kind of Patriots model where you're a competitor every single year. There's probably going to be a couple years where you're down. Um, but I think if you have, a, I mean, this is a, what, a 12, basically 12 year deal. If you have him for 12 years, I think there's only more up years than down years. And, 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 you know, we can have a conversation about um, the longevity of a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Like, is Lamar Jackson going to be the kind of quarterback he is when he's 30 years old that he is when he's 22? Um, he's probably not going to be quite the same. You know, I would imagine he's still going to be a very athletic quarterback, but is he going to be a guy who's going to run the ball? What, what, what do we say, 10, 10 times a game, like, as he has the past two years? Like, that's probably not going to happen. I think he's going to have to – um, pick and choose a little bit more uh, wisely when he, when he talks and runs the ball. Um, and there's probably going to be less, you know, designed runs built into the offense as, as he continues to progress as a quarterback. Um, and, and that, I think that's, that's okay. I think that threat is still there. And I think that's still going to make defenses respect him. Um, and we, we've clearly seen his ability to be a good quarterback, both, you know, when he's on the move and when he's in the pocket, you know, he had some of the best numbers in, in the pocket of any number of any quarterback in the league this past year. So um, I, I have no doubt that he's still very capable, even if some of that dual threat ability um, you know, leaves him as, as he kind of gets older. Um, so I'm, I'm not too concerned necessarily about that. And I think some people might be more concerned about that than I am. Um, but I think in the end, you're right that, it definitely makes things challenging. Um, it, you have to be better at drafting. You have to be better at, at who you 
decide to give extensions to, you can't make big mistakes um, because you don't have room for error when, when you're giving so much of your cap devoted to one player. Um, but in the end, yeah, I think just, I, I don't know if we'll see that the, the Ravens make this kind of commitment to, to Jackson after this coming season. Um, I wouldn't hate it. Um, I think if you can get him one more cheap year, um, I think that's probably ideal. And then, you know, pay him after his, his fourth year, but I don't know. We'll see what the Ravens want to do with, with Jackson and we'll see what he looks like in the next coming year. And that, that might kind of dictate, um, how, how things go in terms of his contract. Yeah. You know, the other thing, you know, you said something about the, him getting hurt ending your season. And in that sense, you know, I think every team doesn't have a backup that if you pay your quarterback $2 million, if you pay him $20 million, I think that you can't support him there. So I don't think that's a good reason not to pay. I think the one thing that I would kind of throw on top of that from my personal perspective is that, and this is this is probably not going to be a common opinion. I have some questions about whether the Chiefs are as legitimately as good as they seem like they are. Um, they play in, you know, obviously last year, two years ago, the Chargers were better, um, but still not a super elite team. Um, and, you know, the Broncos and the Raiders have been a mess for a number of years now. Um, so you look at the Patriots dynasty and why it was successful. And I'd say a lot of that was tied directly to the fact that the rest of their division was awful. Um, it allowed them to cruise into the postseason with higher seeds. They didn't have to grind it out during the season. Um, the Ravens are kind of in a tough position if Mayfield um, and Joe Burrow turn into who they could be in the sense that it's going to be a much tougher fight in their division. Um, and I think Kansas City kind of has a little bit rosier outlook in terms of kind of what things look like in the short term for the division they're in. So maybe maybe that's why you're willing to spend a little bit more money. But but my not popular opinion is that the Chiefs aren't this. The Chiefs were good last year, but I don't think the Chiefs were like any time kind of like all time great team last season. And yeah, Mahomes did a really big kind of magician act in the second half of that game, but. The 49ers also bombed the end of that game, should have been in complete control of it. And, you know, given what I saw when the Ravens played Kansas City, I can't I, I, I still don't really understand how the Niners couldn't run the ball in the second half of that game. And I'd have to watch the game film to understand it a little bit better. Um, but the Chiefs were they were a good team, but the Ravens offense was better last year, I think, overall. Um, and the Ravens took huge strides on defense and Kansas City really didn't. You know, they added a couple guys in the draft that I liked, but overall, I don't think that they massively improved. Um, you know, I get it. Mahomes is really good, and I'm not saying he's not, but I think the hype train on Kansas City might be, and this is obviously coming from a Ravens fan, so take it for what it is, but the hype train might be riding a little hot right now in Kansas City, I think. I think that's that's definitely, there's a little truth to that. And I, obviously, you know, they're Super Bowl winners. Um, Mahomes had a fantastic postseason. He didn't have, he had a good regular season. He wasn't quite as incredible um, as he was during the postseason. And, you know, he was also banged up last year. He, he had the, was it a fractured knee? I think he had an ankle injury. Um, so those things combined, I think, were probably why his numbers weren't quite where they were, you know, two years ago. Um, and, and to a certain extent, I agree with you, the Chiefs, you know, they have some elite talent i think you know you're looking at a very good offensive line you have um two really 
kind of elite receivers in Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. And, and compared with Mahomes, I think that gives you an elite offense. You know, they were at the top of the league in like yards per play. They weren't quite there in scoring. Um, obviously, the Ravens were the best scoring team in the NFL last year. Um, and on defense, I, I think that the Chiefs, you know, they also, they, you have a couple of like really standout players and then some, just kind of some guys um, who are good, but they don't have quite the, the depth of talent that the, that the Ravens have, for instance, on defense. So, I mean, I think they're in position over the next, you know, couple, couple, I think, especially in the early years of these, this Mahomes contract to be, you know, probably a top consistently three to four team in, in the AFC. Um, and that's basically what you want, right? You want to be a contender every single year, um, especially before the contract starts to get really steep. And then, they're probably going to have a completely different roster at that point. You know, it's kind of just, it's all about when, when you have all your kind of eggs in one basket, so to speak, you really need to, you know, get everything else correct around there. So you, you need to consistently just like, as I mentioned, you have to draft well, like, and you know, the chiefs have been pretty good at drafting. Like I think like the Ravens have probably been really good at drafting as well. And, and you think you can continue to do that and you have an infrastructure in place that, um, I think is good. And, you know, like the Ravens continue to churn out these offensive linemen that just seem to like come in and plug and play. I don't remember the last time they missed on an offensive lineman. Um, and, you know, maybe they're starting to turn a leaf in the wide receivers too so with, with Hollywood and, you know, they have a couple of rookies and you get a team like that that's young on offense um, and you don't have to sign everybody. Maybe, you know, a couple of guys, you let walk a couple of these offensive linemen, you let walk and then you just keep kind of, you know, churning out these like third and fourth and fifth round picks and getting guys you can plug in. And, and I think that's how you can make this thing work is, is you, you depend on drafting, you depend on the cheap talent that you can put around, you know, your star players. And, and that's just the way you have to do it when you have a big ticket quarterback. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're right. You know, we could talk about it for an hour, but you don't have a choice, but you know, when you're talking about cap and how it'll be allocated, I think, Matt Ryan's going to be a good test case coming up in 2021 where his deal is going to be a $41 million cap hit. The, the Falcons can't move on from that. Um, and can you build a team around him? And they've obviously got other top tier talent they're already paying, um, like for the Julio Jones. So can, can you have a competitive team if you're paying a couple guys that much money? Um, and, and what do you do? And, and if you can have a bunch of scrubs around um, Mahomes and, and I don't mean scrubs in the sense that they're terrible, but scrubs in the sense of what their salary is. Can that be a team that wins? Um, and I think, you know, if you I think what's interesting about this scenario is that I think the Ravens are heading into their cap situation with Lamar and and what it's going to look like in a much better position than what the Chiefs were heading into when they came into this with Mahomes. Um, and I think that the cap carryover and all those pieces, you know, make a big difference. And obviously it's really hard to kind of project these things out now. Um, but, you know, the Ravens already in 2021 have um, what 58 guys that are under contract officially um, that would be kind of still around. Whereas the chiefs have many fewer than that already to begin with, which feeds a little bit to the depth and kind of signings of, of what the Ravens are willing to do with some of those guys. But on top of that, they've got 65 million, 66 million in cap space headed into next year. Um, and you're in a place where, you know, I think Brandon Williams is probably going to be gone. That's 9.5 million off the cap. And there, there's some, there are a few others, but there's only one guy that the Ravens have, um, you know, really that 
is at a really big risk of of kind of in, in terms of Marcus Peters that that you're that bigger cap number that they can't get out of on the books. You know, between Campbell, Williams, Thomas, others, I think they can save on the cap if they really had to and, and continue to make space for this guy. Um, so I think the Ravens are just in a really optimistic position for where the cap comes in. And I think that COVID plays a big part in what's going to happen. I mean, theoretically, you know, this is this is why I'm glad that the Ravens have Lamar passed this season, is that if the season, and, and knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but if the season doesn't happen next year, I think the cap is going to take a huge drop, uh, probably at least a 10% drop heading into 2021, if not more than that. Um, and so the Ravens at a minimum at that point have – Lamar Jackson on a deal that's, you know, a $3 million cap hit at that point. Um, and then they can renegotiate with Lamar and say, look, the, the dynamics have changed and the increases on the back end of the salary cap are going to go up at a decreased rate um, in addition to having more cap space. But so I see the Ravens in a better position where they are right now moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and maybe that's kind of just the luck of the draw that the Ravens um, might have that kind of, you know, that, that card in their pocket to say, you know, this was a, this was not the normal off season or ne- normal season in which we would want to give you this, this massive contract. We just, we just can't make it work this time. And, you know, we'll get you next year. Um, and that, that might work with Lamar. Um, and that might help the Ravens out because they do have a couple of players coming up who they're, you know, aside from Lamar, who they're going to want to give the big contract extensions to. I'm thinking of, of Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley, who I think, um, are critical players to the Ravens moving forward. Um, I, well, Humphrey's I under on the cap. I mean, that's his fifth year option in yeah, 2021. He so is on the cap. He's still on the cap already. But he's going to be a guy who's going to probably, you know, command close to close to 20 million per year. I think um, by the time we get to that point, um, right? Maybe, but not maybe until not. 2022. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, we'll see how the Ravens want to handle that. Obviously, like this year, for instance, Ronnie Stanley's playing on his fifth-year option. I think Marlon Humphrey might have to do the same thing, um, kind of going into that knowledge that you're going to be the guy who gets paid eventually. And then Stanley is going to be the player who's going to get paid in this next coming offseason. Um, I think the Ravens will probably franchise tag him. And then we'll see what happens um, because, you know, the the tackle – market was kind of jumbled this offseason when when um Larry Tunsil made that, that huge contract extension with the Texans. So that's that's going to be an interesting thing to see where where Stanley fits into that. And if he wants to be the the highest paid tackle, um it's going to be kind of an interesting discussion to have next offseason. Um, yeah for sure. But even if that's the case, Stanley of when we did our power rankings podcast last week, I believe Stanley is the only guy in our top 10 that's already not under contract heading into 2021 for the Ravens. In addition to having 66 million on the cap to start with. Yeah. Um, so, so even if they want to hand Stanley 20 million a year, starting in 2021, um, the Ravens could, if they really wanted to at that point, be in a position to carry over 20, 25, 30 million into the next year. So they could make sure that they're rolling extra cap space forward for Lamar. So it wasn't so damaging down the road potentially too. And then you're still talking about having, I mean, Ingram's on that cap number, um, but you've got Dobbins. I mean, Hollywood Brown, a lot of other key players at the Ravens. Mark Andrews is under contract in 2021. Orlando Brown. I mean, all of these guys um, 
are here for the next two years and you've got cap space on top of it, um, you know, I, I think it leaves the Ravens in a little bit better position for what they might have to do with Lamar, um, but also might have to pay him more. <laughs> yeah, I know they're, they're definitely in better position than, than the Chiefs, for instance. But I do think that money goes away quickly, especially, as you mentioned, the cap might actually go down next year. So that $65 million might actually become something more like, you know, $50 million. Um, I, I mean, we don't know what that's going to look like. And we don't know exactly how, you know, the Ravens are going to handle that situation, how teams in general are going to handle that situation, what contracts are going to look like for players becoming free agents in this offseason. I mean, guys like Matt Judon, for instance, who might be looking for a, for a big payday, you know, that payday probably may not be there as, as if, the, if the cap is going to, you know, decrease instead of increase. Um, that's going to be a really interesting situation for him. Um, and maybe that means that the Ravens can, you know, resign him on the cheap. I don't know if that's something that they want to do, if they have the ability to do that. Um, but they're also going to be short on outside linebackers in this coming off season. So that's got, that's kind of one of those positions that you kind of always want to be able to bring bring guys in and have guys around. And you know, Ravens have what four guys who are going to be uh, free agents at that position: um, Judon Bowser. I think Ward is a one-year contract, so he'll be up. McPhee will be up. So that's you know that's a place where you might want to think about bringing Judon back if you if you can get him at a rate that's you know kind of below the market value there. Um, so there's a lot of things that the Ravens are going to have to think about. Um, there's clearly a ton of young talent on the roster, and that's something that is a huge benefit because, like you said, you have them under contract most of these guys for you know one or two more years, and that definitely extends that window um and if, you know for that reason you could think about start paying lamar jackson now um and depend and maybe you structure it so that you're you're kind of incrementally increasing the money he gets and you pay him a little bit more on his rookie years and then kind of slowly uptick that's kind of what, what happened with patrick mahomes um but yeah I, I don't know i don't know how the ravens are going to want to handle the situation i think there's a lot of things that are in flux right now. Um, we don't even know if there's going to be a season for sure. I think we're all just assuming it's going to happen, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's still not completely set in stone that things are going to move forward. Um, so I don't, I don't even know what happens if we have a season that doesn't exist. Like I, I haven't seen much conversation about that. It seems like they're doing everything they can to make that happen, but does, does everybody's, you know, does everybody's contracts just like tick forward a year or they get paused? Like, I don't know. I don't know how that'll work. Yeah. I mean, hopefully there's a season, like I said, knock on wood, but you're totally right. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen this upcoming year. Um, and you know, you've got these other sports leagues, you know, the NBA is the, should be the one that can most easily start, right? You've got smaller teams. You can put everybody in a bubble. You got everybody doing this stuff and you're still hearing about new positive tests for players and people that are part of these travel teams coming out right now. And we're 24 days away from, you know, seeing those games start. We're 24 days away from the Lakers Clippers game, um, you know? And so if it's that close, I, I mean, uh, there's a chance that neither the NBA or the, the MLB could get restarted. Who knows what's going to happen with the NFL? I think it's a really, you know, I, obviously I can't, I can't guess what's going to happen on that front. Yeah. And it's just like, it's scary to think about too, when you think about how, how quickly this disease spreads, you know, all it takes is it gets into a locker room and you might have in like week three of, of the season and one player tests positive and then, you know, 16 players test positive. And then what happens? You just like, you 
pause the season for one team that can't field a roster. Like, I don't know, like it's kind of unprecedented, right? Like the NBA season shut down as soon as one player tested positive. And, and I think a referee tested positive. Like if, you know, if you have, you know, a third of a roster that's all of a sudden out, like does everything just stop? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure somebody's talked about this. Like they have to be talking about these different scenarios that could happen. Um, and it's, it's just, it's so many unknowns at this point. Like it's, it's really kind of, I don't, I don't even know what to think. <laughs> well, you've got to give Adam Silver a lot of credit for what he did in terms of the NBA. They got it right. They pulled the plug early. Um, yeah. They got out in front of it on the optics on every level, essentially the opposite of what MLB, the MLB did. And I think the NFL is taking some of those cues by already delaying um, delaying your preseason games have cut them down to two. I think we don't see any. Um, I think that's smart. But, I, you know, I read something about this months ago now where they basically said the NFL has the luxury that from when the Super Bowl is scheduled, essentially the start of the baseball season, there's not a lot going on in terms of sport, the sporting world. And if they really wanted to just take things and push them back eight weeks or four weeks or some number of weeks, they could probably do that and nobody would be upset about it. Um, and so the, the NFL is in a really unique position, I think, that we're going to see the season. If I had to bet, we'll see the season happen because nobody loves the N- money like the NFL. <laughs> um, but also, I think that they could push back into November. And if there's a legitimate you know, vaccine or legitimate, you know, if it's like antibody like resurgence or like whatever that they can do on that front, the NFL will make the time to make it happen. And they've had the luxury of watching the MLB be awful, the NBA get it right and trying to figure out a way to make it happen. Um, but you can't quarantine teams. You can't quarantine staffs. I mean, the NFL apparatus is vastly too large. So they, they just, like we all do, have to keep our fingers crossed for a vaccine at this stage. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. Like if, if things start to look bad, you know, if teams like break training camp and then, you know, there's, there's a rash of, of, of positive cases in, in training camp, I think, I don't think you, you can go forward at that point. I think you have to pause and let things settle down, rethink, you know, re-strategize, push, start the date back month, maybe two months and, and, and hope that you can, you can get it right. Second go around because I, I think having some a catastrophe or like an outbreak mid season is, is the worst thing to have like starting the season and then having to pause it. And then it's, that's, that's just kind of a disaster, I think. So I think you want to try and get everything right beforehand and really have a plan moving forward. Yeah. Do you think, you know, let's assume it starts, but maybe it's delayed or there's limited training camp, obviously no preseason games. Um, Ravens have a lot of rookies that are expected to play in some kind of significant way. Um, you know, is that going to hold back the Ravens production? Um, is it going to hold back Lamar's progression, which there's a lot riding on? Um, you know, what's your early take for the Ravens on that? You know, I think that the Ravens are actually in pretty good position because they have one of the most experienced coaching staffs in the NFL. They have a offensive system that's going to stay pretty much the same and they have pretty much the same offensive weapons. So, I think at the very least on the offensive side of the ball, you're not going to see much, much change. And yeah, there's a couple of rookies that are going to be thrown into the mix, but um, I think for the most part, you're going to, at at the very least, you have potential, you know, starting, you know, 12, 13 players that are carried carried over from last season. So I I think they're in good position there. Defense is a little bit um, murkier because you do have a lot of fresh faces, um, but I think you can, 
and and Wink has a pretty complex defensive scheme. So that that could get a little tricky, especially with those rookie linebackers. Um, but I think if if you know if there's li- limited ability to practice, you just kind of lean on the veterans um, and and work the rookies in um, as you can. And you know the Ravens have depth at different positions. I think you can make things work. You lean heavily on the outside linebacker position. You lean heavily on the defensive backs and maybe you just bring the linebackers in slowly. Um, and, and I think you'll, you'll be in pretty good shape there for both sides of the ball. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. I think the offense is going to roll again next year, you know, take, you know, you can take a handful of games that they struggled like the Buffalo game where the weather was terrible, the Titans game where things just seemed out of whack. And even Lamar said that he didn't prepare for it like he should have. And Harbaugh can downplay that. But if that's Lamar's attitude and he's the leader of this team, it's hard to imagine the rest of the team didn't kind of feel that way. Um, I don't think they're going to take any of that kind of stuff for granted. And I think it's only, I think it's only going to be more dynamic from there. You know, Lamar is still incredibly young. So, so, you know, it's hard to believe that there's going to be any kind of losing half a step kind of drop off for him. I think the thing that concerns me the most is injury risk, um, particularly for Lamar. I think the Ravens are pretty deep at just about every other position um, and could sustain a couple of major injuries to major impact players everywhere, but maybe the offensive tackle position. Um, I think offensive tackle and quarterback would be the two that I'd worry about that could really, really kind of unplug and slow things down for the Ravens offense. But you know, they were 80 points better than the Chiefs last year. And yeah, Mahomes did miss a couple games in the midst of that, but they still hung, I think, over 20, 20 or 25 points in both the games that Moore started. Um, you know, I, I just think that I think the Ravens offense is going to be just fine and we're going to see them kind of steamroll some folks. But, you know, I think I think a big part of that is going to also be improvement that we see from the current players on the roster beyond Lamar. Um, I think there's a chance that Bozeman takes a step, big step forward. You know, I, I knock on wood. I, you know, I kind of want the season to start a few weeks or a month or so late because I think that's going to give the Ravens a shot of having Skura back. I think I think that continuity would matter. Um, but then we're also hearing, you know, tremendous things about Hollywood Brown right now and kind of how he's progressed and seeing some crazy videos right now. Yeah, he's doing some crazy workouts and he's put on some pounds in the offseason and, and in a good way because, you know, last year he was basically playing at what, like 150, 160 pounds, depending on you know who you ask. And he clearly wasn't healthy. He had the, the pins in his foot. He wasn't able to like cut off his plant off his foot. Um, and, you know, he still had tremendous speed, but he wasn't as kind of dynamic as I think he can be. And was, I don't know if you saw the picture of him that he posted on Twitter. It's like a picture of him like flexing from like from his with his back. And you can just see the mus- musculature on his back. that's like completely filled out compared to like somebody who looked like maybe a high schooler. Um, and he, you can see that he's a guy who put on probably 25 pounds of muscle just in like, and he, but he still looks like, he's rocked up, you know, he's, he's a guy who's going to be, I think a game changer for the Ravens. If, you know, everything goes according to plan. Um, if he stays healthy, if Lamar stays healthy to have that kind of dynamic player who can, you know, take a screen pass and, or like a, a quick slant and, and take it to the house, or you can obviously beat you over the top with the speed either way. And having him paired up with a guy like Andrews, who's just, you know, a beast over the middle and can, will catch like all these like zone, passes and he'll, he'll be a threat in the red zone and the Ravens just have so many we- we- weapons on offense you know running back tight end wide receivers it's going to be 
it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. And I think Hollywood Brown is going to be the, the breakout offensive star for this team. Yeah, I, I, I really think so too. I think, you know, hopefully he's the number one receiver the Ravens have been hoping for that they got lucky that, you know, his injury let things kind of slip a little bit in terms of the draft and, and that's where they're going to go moving forward. But, you know, he's just got that breakaway speed and, you know, he's got good hands shown great route running, you know, it, it's so hard not to be excited about this upcoming season. So hopefully COVID doesn't get in the way. Hopefully we start to get some, you know, training camp actually happens. We start to get some news out of what's going on with the Ravens and, and we can start breaking it down as, as we get into the rest of July and August. Yeah. I mean, we're what three weeks away from training camp, something like that. Um, so, you know, sooner rather than later, we'll have some actual football to talk about. Hopefully, hopefully that's not, um, delayed. Um, but if it is delayed, then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that too, but, um, you know, I'm just excited. We're getting closer every day and I'm, I'm just hoping that we get this season like you are. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in tonight. Um, this is uh, The Bank, and you know you can catch us at baltimoresportsandlife.com. We're both on Twitter, at BSL Jordan Co. and at Gabe Fergie. We'd love to hear from you guys. If there's anything you want to talk about or hear about, um, things that you want us to break down or, or concepts or anything, we'd be happy to dive into those too. Um, so we'll catch you next week.